I don't even know if I remember how to do this, fellas. But we are back as Ryan pulls gum out of his yeah. mouth right when we start recording. You don't, you don't want me chewing. Hold on. Well, might be better than some of the things you say. So Very true. Rude. Very true. But, uh, man, I'm so happy to be here. Fresh paint. Yeah, fresh paint. I'm so happy to be back. These guys have been bugging me for six weeks. When are we going to record again? When are we going to record again? True that. And it's happening right here. So we hope you guys are happy to, as we are to be back and... Really, I was waiting for a special guest. <laughs> got one. Big bang. We got, I mean, this we is, got one. We, we always say, every time we bring a guest in, this is bigger than the guest before. I don't know if that hurts people's feelings, but it's true. if you were the very first guest, it does. It probably does. <laughs> sorry, Rico. Yeah, sorry. So we'll tell a story about that in a second, but... Emmy Award. Go ahead and put it on the table for us. Put it, put it up there. Oh, throw it out there. Did you mention Emmy? Oh, okay. <laughs> Look <laughs> what we that. found. They don't even know me yet. I'm already pulling out an Emmy. That's right. We have an Emmy Award winner Big time. with us, and we sat him next to Ryan. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have to forgive us for that. But No cooties, I promise. Comedian. We are going to get into all things comedy. Uh, what's the right word for his podcast? Huge... A huge podcast, mm. worldwide, mm-hmm. huge numbers podcast. <laughs> Mr. Brian Bates, you, you're just a man of many talents, many talents. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. We, it's, we're honored. Thank you for, for doing this. Um, we'll, we'll, I don't know. I think the first thing we need to touch on is Brian just did a, a show for us yep. here, about 150, maybe a little more people. Mm-hmm. Great. Really? He killed it. Awesome. But it was the debut. I was about to say, yeah. The debut of my comic yeah. uh, career. Mm. My first time ever doing stand-up, if you can really call it that. It, I, really? I that, it, that was your first time? I'm making it sound it? way better than what it was. But, Everybody has to start somewhere. But I would have never realized that. Uh, we're going to get a raw <laughs> critique here. No, don't hold back, Brian. We want you to... <laughs> Mm. Be honest. Oh, he, that didn't sound good. <laughs> that did not. That did not, not sound that's good. not the sound you want. But here, here's the So Brian and I were talking about how I was going to introduce him, all this kind of stuff. And I said, hey, man, you know, I, I can throw a couple dad jokes in there or something if, if you want. I thought he would just laugh it off. That's a horrible idea. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You let, the, let the professionals handle it. And he's like, oh, no, that'll be good. That'll be, he said, you, you bring them down. I'll bring them back up. <laughs> I, like, ah. I like to set the standards. There, there you go. Yeah. I yes. knew I was going to be fine when they were laughing at your a couple of your jokes. I was like, if they're laughing at that, I'm good. <laughs> so uh, y- y'all heard that, right? I got, I got laughs. He's saying you I did. Yeah. I heard them. Yeah. You did. So I was totally. You get there some jokes on Sunday mornings now? No. no. Were you I, nervous? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was super nervous. Like, of course, I've never done anything like that. And people say, we're going to touch on this. Oh, I could do that. Like, everybody thinks that I can get on stage and tell some jokes. Everybody thinks they're funnier than they are. Right? And it's not, it's not, it was not easy for me. I think the reason, you're absolutely right. I think the reason is if you play an instrument, people either know, I can either do that or I can't. Most people can't. Or if you do magic, most people don't even know how it works or whatever. Right. But we've all made our friends laugh. So we all in the back of our mind kind of think, oh, I bet I could do that. I bet I could be funnier than that guy. Right. So that's why everyone thinks they're a comedian and tries it. Well, well, I know my place. I will never try that's it. That's not there. No. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's really one, I mean, to tell it, you can't get up there and tell a knock-knock joke, right? You know what I mean? Like, not on its own. I mean, maybe if it was not a knock-knock joke, but a small one-hitter as part of a longer set, but one thing that I noticed is you, you showed confidence when you were up there. You should confidence. Oh, I can fake it with the best of them. Like, <laughs> are you, even if I'm horrible, like I'm going to tell you, I'm the best. Are you, you got to prove uh, me wrong. Do you preach here? No. So I had like I think I preached here You've once. Done once. Yeah, then once, uh, once, yeah, at least once. Yeah, yeah. But, You're on staff, but you don't right. get up in front of the audience. Uh, yeah, just to do announcements <clears throat> yeah. or something like that, a prayer, or, you know, but. Um, that's a big part of it is overcoming the stage fright. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have spoken in front of people before, before I worked here and all that kind of stuff. That part wasn't, I, I'll get up there. I mean, if anytime you're in front of people for multiple times, I mean, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to say something wrong or whatever, cough, sneeze. 
everybody does that. Like, I don't, right. that doesn't bother me, but yeah, but let, let's hear it. We've kind of drug this out. Critique. What, what, what you got for my three minute comedy career? It was, uh, it was better than I expected. Well, I'll take it. That's a win. We can stop. Yeah. 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 Shut them all. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, did, what did you have? Three jokes? Yeah, maybe. So. Yeah. So, uh, let me so. see if I can remember them. All right. Here we go. There was one about the dishwasher. Yes. You did a callback at the end of the night. Didn't go over so well. No. no. <laughs> so, yeah. So. <laughs> We yeah. I'll, I'll let you finish your critique and then I'll defend myself. <laughs> well, let me just, yeah, you did a joke about pushing the dishwasher button. And yes. then at the end of the night, yes, the lady used to wash the. Uh, oh yeah. No, that was, yes, yes. And you, and then you did a call yes. back to your earlier joke yeah. about push the button. They had, they had forgotten me. You had done your set. They had forgotten everything I had said by that point. <laughs> and I've done that so many times. I've been emceeing at a comedy club and I think I have a great set. Maybe I did. And then the comedian headliner will go up to the King to see. And then I'll get up at the end of the night and try to say something, and they're like, who are you again? Yeah. Well, um, so in that moment, I thought you were talking about something different. But in that moment, that was totally just off the top of my head. That was not, yeah, not, not so well. <laughs> Didn't go so great. You see, you had one about, um, about how you don't know how to fix anything or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, I was talking about my in-laws and how they are too good of people you know they're so good it makes me think something's wrong yeah. they're hiding something yes. yeah i can't yeah. remember that one i had my kids in the, the car the guy oh, yes. walking oh yeah 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 that's probably your best one yeah <laughs> and the one that, he forgot that, that, that no that was the closer yeah that was my closer so i was like you know hit, hit them hit them hard and walk off and get off yeah. stage yeah, yeah. leave them wanting more that's right that's right <laughs> yeah they they want more and let me let me put an emmy winner in front of them now so <laughs> But is stand-up something you've thought about doing? No. This all, well, I don't know. So we're going to get into the Brian Bates story here in a minute. It might be the... I'm the, interviewing you somehow. Yeah. Well, well awesome. tell me about your childhood. That's this, also, is awesome. this is great. Well, this that's great. also because he has a podcast with 100 episodes and superstars on it. That he is one of the superstars. But, so he is much more comfortable than us. Yes. But uh, um, what do you say? Oh, stand-up for me? No. Yeah. I mean... Not seriously, but it's just that I wanted to try it one time. Let mm-hmm. me do it one time. I might bomb. I might not. But one time, all right, I did that. I can move on. But, so what is there? You got the bug now, or you want to keep going? Uh, so because my boss may listen to this, I love this job. I have no plans <laughs> of leaving ever. Uh, you know, this place is great. We're doing a podcast with Brian Bates, Bates and Emmy <laughs> Winner. And, no, no. Uh no, I'm not as a career. I don't think. Never say never. Yeah, well, I mean, never say never about anything. But would that propel me to do an open mic or something? I like. I would have to really prepare. This I didn't. You know, I, I put ten minutes of prep, fifteen minutes of prep time in. I would have to like legit prepare. And even if I go up there and bomb, I would feel like. I was prepared when I walked up there. Maybe I just wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Blame it on the audience or bad audience, whatever. But, you know, I would have to really prepare to do something like that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I had my day job for eight years before I went full-time into stand-up comedy. So yeah, it's not like it. Just day one, you quit and right. give right. it a shot. So let, let's talk about that. Uh, <clears throat> full-time comedian now. You do great things. Tour the country. Uh, you've been at the... The Ryman Auditorium, uh, Grand Ole Opry, which are huge places here in Nashville, and they are broadcast throughout the country, um, the, the Grand Ole Opry is anyway. Mm-hmm. But before that, you had a, a real job, you know, quote, unquote, a real job. Can you tell us your story? No, I cannot. All right. Well, <laughs> next question. And that'll uh, be the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. We, we got more notes. We got more notes. So can I ask how old you are? I am 41. Okay. So I was 35 when I took a stand-up comedy class for the first time. I was working – I worked in TV news here in Nashville, News Channel 5. Emmy Winter here. CBS affiliate. Yeah, CBS affiliate here in Nashville, just local TV. Never was on the air, just behind the scenes, producer. I went to college here locally, Middle Tennessee State University, majored in broadcasting, Worked at TV News, and then when I was 35, I took a stand-up comedy class just for fun. Um, 
didn't really have any plans. Never had met a stand-up comedian, so thought my image of stand-up comics were kind of guys you don't identify, unapproachable, kind of crazy, and there is a lot of that. But I was blessed. Uh, I feel like God put this guy in my path with a guy who's a good Christian man who taught the class. And he's still, his name's Rick Roberts. He still teaches comedy classes here in Nashville. He's still a good friend of mine. Write that down for me, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I really, really enjoyed the class. Still didn't think I was going to pursue a career, just something fun. But I really enjoyed the people in the class. And so I took that first beginner's level class. Then I took the next one. Then the next one. Then I started going to open mics while working at the TV station. And it just kept snowballing and snowballing and more and more. And then I started getting some paid work here and there. And then finally, at um, age 43, (laughs) I quit my day job. Now, I was still single at the time. So I thought, you know what? If I go hungry, I'll only be hurting myself. Yeah, it's just me. (laughs) Nobody else is dependent on me. (laughs) It's just me. Ramen noodles, here I come. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm like... I'm going to give it a shot. So I quit my job. I'd been there almost 20 years wow. working there. I started right out of college and um, went full-time in stand-up comedy. And, I mean, the first few years were, were lean, I guess. Um, but I'd saved up a lot of money. Again, being single, I had very low cost of living. I'd saved up for eight years. And... Um, now, now, before you made the switch, you, you were kind of pulling double duty, still working full-time for mm-hmm. Channel 5 mm-hmm. and, and working hard at night mm-hmm. doing shows, and, and you lived off your comedy money only for a while to see if you could really make it, right? Yeah. Um, when I decided I was going to make this transition, I thought, let me see if I can just live off what I make in comedy. So for like the last, I think, six months of my day job, I lived just off what I was making stand-up comedy, and I was making it. So I thought, I think I can do this. And now since then, I mean, I drove for Uber for a while, just a little bit on the side. It's, who knows? I may have to go back to doing that. But um, You have a joke about that, right? I you, do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to drive for Uber, and my biggest fear is I would drive before shows, my biggest fear is I'd pick up someone coming to my show and we would just ride together to the show and then we'd just both get out of the car and well, go, in, go in together. That, that's your door over there, buddy. Um, the, the talent entrance is this way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but it just gradually built and um, now I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I'm intrigued by the minds of comedians yeah. because I, I don't want to say you think different. I, I mean, we're all people, but you're not afraid to say the things that you're thinking a lot of times, comedians in general. Right. Um, your Nate Land podcast. So Brian is part of a, a crew of Nate Land podcast. Check it out. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of episodes, tons of guests, tons of people you have heard of um, more than likely. But on that podcast, it's you and two other hosts. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like middle school or high school. Like you guys just sit and, you know, you're cutting each other down and do But it's like brothers, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, you know, Ryan and Fano and I, we're talking bad to each other. But mm-hmm. it's like, but that's kind of the mind of a comedian of you're pointing out mm-hmm. the obvious, you know, in, in someone that most people aren't going to say. They're not going to be brave enough to say or it's impolite. But that's also where your observations come from for your comedy, correct? Yeah, and we have a topic on the podcast each week, but it always strays off, just like a real conversation. <laughs> right. And you're like, how did we even get to this? <laughs> what were we even talking about? Yeah. Right. So we just let that happen. We right. just let it let it go. But yeah, um, you know, stand up comics, um, I was smart enough from the beginning and I still do a lot of you you guys just heard my set, a lot of self deprecating humor. Because I feel like that's the safest way to not offend someone. Right. Especially when you're starting out and you're not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you look at me extra hard? Just to... Extra. <laughs> Notice I did not talk about my wife. I did not tell any jokes about my wife who was in the room tonight. I have a question, but I'll, I'll let you. 
I have a question about that. All right, but but I have to I have to go home with her tonight, yeah, and right. uh, <laughs> I was trying to be smart. Her parents were not in the room, and I did talk about them, but it she was did. like I didn't tell any like legit stories, right? It was based in truth. My my in laws are super great mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who are always helping everyone, um, and I, I kind of based tonight off of that and told a couple of jokes off of that but comedy for you or for for just in general but i mean it's about you we want to talk about you but in the mind of a comic is the best comedy based in truth or is it just made up no absolutely unless you're one of these comedians who's like an absurdist like that no one's gonna think like uh uh i was trying to think of an example but someone that just well, like Carrot Topper. I don't know. Somebody mm-hmm. like that's just like, well, that's obviously not real. You're not even trying to make us think it's real. But generally, yes. And I think that's the biggest difference between newer comics and more seasoned as you go. When I first started telling jokes and started doing comedy, I would have jokes that maybe they were clever, maybe they weren't, and maybe people would laugh. But people probably didn't think, well, that really happened. Because mm-hmm. I would usually embellish a lot. Or maybe just outright make it up. Right, right. Now, I still embellish some, of course, yeah. but it's mainly grounded in truth. Mm. And therefore, people, you kind of can tell when something's probably true or probably not. Right. And um, when I first started, I look back on some of my jokes. That might have been funny, but they nobody's like, oh, I'm, that didn't happen. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get better. I, I noticed... Um, because I am having a, a baby. I'm 50 years old. My wife's 45. And we're having a kid. Congratulations, by the way. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. And when I tell that now on stage, I can tell sometimes, I can sense the crowd. They're not sure if I'm telling the truth. <laughs> and they're kind of waiting to see, wait a second, is this a punchline? What's the punchline here? <laughs> yeah. And I sensed it tonight. Like People are like, they applauded. Good for you. But I could also sense some people are like, okay, what's the punchline? Surely this guy is not really having a kid. <laughs> right. You guys feel free to chime in, but Brian and I are going to have yeah. a conversation. <laughs> hey, I'm, oh, I, I'm, I'm just here. listening. Yeah. This is great. Well, I'm loving it. So, so tonight was uh, a huge age range in the audience. Mm-hmm, so right. 150 people or a little more, and the age was – 150 or a little more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm joking. <laughs> so about early to mid <laughs> early to mid 20s when to, I got here it was, to, yeah. to about 150. I yeah. mean, huge age range like right. <laughs> Yeah. 80s, I mean, le- legitimate upper 80s, mid to upper yeah. 80s down to 20, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make it harder or or if the audience is that diverse? Um yeah, it can. I mean, ch- I find church shows are some of the hardest shows to do because um, the setup's often wrong. You guys had the setup perfect tonight. I'm not just saying that. I mean, he it would was- say that regardless. <laughs> <laughs> so many. Uh, why, why didn't you say that before we started recording? <laughs> uh, so many churches or corporate events I do, the room setup's all wrong. People are spread out. And then at church, yeah, you got kids running around. There weren't really any kids there tonight. No, no. We they were on the other. So we provided childcare. They were we on had the them other cleaning side. Dishes, so, <laughs> but so, so me not know like I, I told you that Brian and I have been friends for like a solid three hours. <laughs> but uh, we we've been pen pals for for a couple weeks before this. Mm-hmm. But I was asking you questions about the setup and mm-hmm. what you know. Here's kind of what we can do. Here's some options. What do you want? Because. I wanted you to do great, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might come back one day. But I wanted the event to go great as well. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like, what makes you comfortable? Because if you're comfortable, you'll pull the audience into you. Yeah, and you did it. I mean, to answer your question, a lot of events, there'll be kids running around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, in a church setting, you got to be really careful what you say anyway. And then with kids, even more so, like tonight, I said things like dumb and he's an idiot. And I know some parents don't want their kids hearing that. Right. right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's tough. And then you have older people that either from a different generation don't get certain things. If right. you're talking about social media or whatever, you know, there were jokes tonight. I could s- sense one side of the room was getting a little bit more than the other and yeah. or 
appreciating the list at least. So I, I, I was walking around taking some pictures when you were talking about computer passwords. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking, <laughs> is he going to lose part of the audience on this because of their age? Mm -hmm. yeah. But where I happened to be, there was a table full of, of senior adults. And they were all belly laughing mm -hmm. when he was talking about yeah. And I was like, <laughs> it might make more sense to these people because everything about a computer is foreign. Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll try to do it, but they know they've gotten the message that he just talked about. Like mm -hmm. that has popped in front of their face before. I okay. find in church settings, one of the biggest things that people tense up about is race. People mm. don't want to. And I have a joke about my mom who lives in 100% true, lives in the little B towns, 99.9% white. So whenever she meets a non-white person, she has to tell me about it. There's no reason for her to have to tell me. It has nothing to do with the story. But she mentions, you know, that whatever race they are. And I just did a church show over Christmas, did two shows, and the first one was an all-white audience. I told that joke. People really tensed up. And I find this anywhere. They right. tense up. because like, oh, we shouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. The next show... Black family sitting right up front. I could see the pastor's wife even told me, you know, you probably don't know. I told the same joke. They loved it. The whole audience loosens up. It's totally different. People just get so tense in church settings mm. about certain things. Right. Everyone has their own line that they have to draw. I know that. Yeah. But um, people are just so tense about certain subjects. I don't even know how I got off on that. But yeah. Well, that brings up another question. For a white comedian, yeah. is it harder to tell race jokes than a comedian – of another race. Well, of course. Yeah. But, and, um, unless I'm in front of an all black audience, I have a video. I'm going to promote myself now. Oh, we're, yeah. We'll do <laughs> that for go. you too. At the end, <laughs> I have a video on YouTube that has two and a half million views and I posted it. Wow. So, <laughs> and it says, uh, what did I title it? Um, black audience surprised when white boy takes the stage. And it's got two and a half million views because I come out and I'm the only white guy on the show and I kill and I'm talking about race. I'm not uh, hiding from it. And right. everyone appreciates that if you're just honest and, and tell about yeah. it. But if I told those same jokes in front of all white audience, they would tense up. Mm. Yeah. You know and what I mean? Is it okay for me to laugh at this? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Who's and looking that, at me laughing? Yes. And that, <laughs> that goes back to like the mind of a comedian which is part of the pod, part of your podcast that I enjoy of if something's funny, mm -hmm. it's funny. Yeah. It doesn't have Regardless. to be mean. If, if, if Fano and I are, are telling jokes, mm -hmm. if it's funny, we're going to laugh at it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we are yeah. racist or against each other or yeah. anything mm -hmm. like that. We're making an observation mm -hmm. of, of some funny. kind. Yeah. Funny and don't get me wrong. I mean, I know there's, you should not say some things to yes. people. Yeah. We all have a lie. And I'm right. not, you know, right. but still people get so tense about just the littlest things. <laughs> so you're recently married. Yes. Um, and I know you, you tell a lot of like jokes about concerning your wife. Yes. So is there like a limit line or something that y'all have discussed prior to, mm -hmm. or is it just like a free for all? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the whole mustache bit that he did, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, she, she heard this one before." Yeah, that, that always gets groans when I tell it. <laughs> but she's heard that joke a million times, and she, she approves. If you haven't, if you're listening, I talk about my wife's mustache. <laughs> and it, I, I think for the audience, it would be how long you've been married to like someone that's been married a long time, a right. husband, mm -hmm. right. he would laugh with his wife sitting next to him, but newlyweds. Right. So you did not know this. You had two newlyweds right in front of mm. you. Yes. They got married Maybe. like five, six months ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So some of the jokes that you were saying, I was looking right at them, <laughs> but he may not laugh being a newlywed. At mm -hmm. that. No, that ain't funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it goes back to uh, my comment about race. I do jokes. I open for a comedian named Leanne Morgan. And it's the majority of our audience are women in their 50s and 60s. Mm. And when I talk about my wife's graying hair or her mustache, they love it. They right. go nuts over it because right. they, again, identify with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there are audiences that sometimes, they don't tense up, but they're kind of like, whoa, we shouldn't have said that. But she's never said no to a joke. There is some new jokes I have. Um, there was one just recently where um, I didn't tell it tonight because it's a little – 
it's a little <laughs> more risque by, for my stand. I mean, for a church setting. Yeah. And, and um, the punchline was, um, I don't even know how to, I can't, I don't know how to say it without telling the joke. But anyway, she said, I don't know if I would say that because that's kind of not your brand. Hmm. And, um, and I agreed with her. So I kind of tweaked the joke a little bit to uh, make it a little bit more friendly, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> because she obviously knows that obviously you're a comedian and stuff. So yeah. I want. I just wondered if. Yeah, she uh, she's seen all my my yeah. jokes, and she she's a great sport about it, and and so far, and, <laughs> so far. <laughs> and she can give it right back to me. That's what you want too. Like you don't want it to be one sided where she would get offended and maybe not say something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the joke I have, I told on the Grand Old Opry a joke about her and her gray hair or whatever. And I posted that clip on social media and she replied, well, at least I have hair, <laughs> which, you know, it's a good yeah, comeback. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I was uh, single, most of my comedy career, I've been single. So all my jokes starting out were just about being single in my forties and things like that. Right. And then, when I got married, everyone was like, you're going to lose your entire act because you got to get rid of all those single jokes. But now I have so many jokes about my wife that it switched. Yeah. And I tell, I still tell some of those single jokes. I told some tonight yes. just back when I was single. Right. It's right. not like you have to just get rid of them. All right. So when, when you're working on new material, how much are you looking for the audience response for you to go tweak that? Does that make sense? Is that a, did I word that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I go try them out at open mic sometimes and then I often record my set so I can go back and watch it and see what they laughed at and what they didn't. And then, um, yeah, I'll tweak or sometimes I just get rid of them. Like that's, that's not going to work. You guys. Um, so obviously I just announced if, just recently that I'm having a baby mm-hmm. and you could probably tell tonight that my newer material was about my baby having a baby was it some of the biggest laughs because it's newer material and I'm still kind of working that out. Right. So if you notice like a little dip in the laughter, it was probably there because that's new stuff that I'm trying to figure out. I mean, just one or two word, like changing a word or, or, you know, even do, how, how, just how he said it, not yeah. changing words, just how the punchline comes out or whatever. Maybe, True. but that's part of your revision process, right? Is, I mean, you might change a word and now a mm-hmm. dud is a stud mm-hmm. of a joke and just off a couple words being changed or maybe changing an order of a sentence or two. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. Usually editing down. That's the biggest thing. You got to whittle it down. People get too wordy starting out. And if that I had is- a one critique of your jokes tonight, there's a lot you could trim up there and that's everybody right you start and then you work your way down to see what's funny yeah mm. um should have recorded myself tonight fellas <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great <laughs> i'm back here. at the beginning means you gotta do it again yeah i don't is yeah. there anybody still here we can go back down <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't remember well, just tell them for us now and yeah we'll cr- <laughs> well, right. i'm glad you guys are here yeah, thanks for, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be Maybe the worst way to bomb is to put that out on a podcast. and get, That's not funny. Not funny. At all. I'd never go see this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but you, So Fano has a list of questions that people gave him I do. from downstairs. One was your, your, daughter, Seriously? your daughter's yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my daughter's name? Yeah. What, what, Seven. What, what was the name? <laughs> Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> you know, my yeah, wife. It's okay if you don't, but that was just. That was just my wife and I actually last night. Um, Kind of whittled it down to our top two. Okay. And for the first time, I'm announcing it. No, I'm not going to say. Uh, <laughs> we're going to keep it to ourselves, at least Understood. for now. Understood. But we're down it to a, a couple. Seven and soda? Is that the two? Do you know what that's from? Isn't that from Seinfeld? He, well, he already told you the yeah, answer. If you, said any, if you would have said. Come on now. Oh, I've watched a lot of stuff. It doesn't mean I'm a fan of that stuff. I'm a fan. <laughs> but. So, Jerry Seinfeld, huge comedian, one of the best in the business, mm-hmm. says the same thing. Like, he, he had a bit on, I don't know, one one of his, I think it's an older show, uh, but maybe after maybe after the TV show quit and he was making a comeback, was on stage and said, everybody here thinks they can do what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you can come up here and, and give a, a, a comedy set, but you can't. And it just gets back to that mindset of a comedian and, you know, making observations that are funny to everyone in a room or most everyone in a room. And 
That's why. That's why I'm in. Like I am intrigued by comedians and just being able to do that because it's a job that's different from every other job in the world. Yeah. Yeah, There's a documentary called Comedian, and it's Jerry Seinfeld and a then young up and coming comedian named Orny Adams, and it's very good. Even if you're I think you would enjoy it even if you're not a stand-up comedy fan. Although it's, it's 20 years old now, but it was right after Seinfeld, the show had ended, and Jerry was going back out and trying out all new material. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting because even someone as big as him was bombing because they're trying out all new material and trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it kind of chronicles him and this young comedian both trying to, to make it. And I, I think it's great and i recommend anybody to see it yeah and i think the one thing in that show is he had some leeway because he was well known he had <laughs> done stand up for a long time uh, tonight show and and obviously his tv show so when he would go to these these comedy clubs he had some leeway if he had notes and he was kind of working through his notes or let me see what you know there'd be a, a pause mm-hmm. and then he'd tell a joke well I mean, he was trying to get it right and get a, a, a set going again. But but he points out in that or, comedy is the one thing that you don't have much leeway in because we can fake – like when I go watch my friends play guitar, and there's a bunch here in Nashville, yeah. you can listen politely and then clap, even if they're terrible, and you'll never know the difference. Yeah. But comedy is something you can't – I mean, laughter is something you can't fake. Right. Maybe a short time, but not – for long, right. people are going to, you can't do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he said, you know, they'll give me a couple minutes because of and my name. Like, yeah. But then it's like, you, you need to make me laugh. Uh, so like when you go, when you go out on tour or whatever, um, obviously you have a list of jokes that you're going to do, but like, depending on where you are, do you completely change that order completely? Or is it just tweaking jokes and that's it? It's just tweaking jokes. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I'm clean no matter where I'm at. Yeah. So I don't have to change it a ton. But I have finally gotten to the point in my career now where I have enough jokes that I can take some out, put some in Mm. based on the audience and how I think they're – I'm like, I told a lot of church jokes tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that necessarily at a comedy club. I might still tell a few. Yeah. But um, especially if I'm in the South because they get it more. (laughs) But they'll have to be more broad hitting, not as specific. Yes. Yes, yeah. about Jesus' birthday or something like that. Yeah. They got to be more broad. And when I'm up north, it's really—I I mean, they just don't go to church as much up there, you know. Right. I mean, I even—I just did a show in um, in New York. Where was I? Not Long Island, but um, Albany, New York. And I did that Chick Fil A joke. Mm. Yeah. And I say, I think I said it tonight. You guys like Chick Fil A? It's usually a given that people like Chick Fil A, right. but not everyone likes Chick Fil A, and <laughs> some of their uh, beliefs some people don't like. And New York's very liberal. And I said, "You guys like Chick Fil A?" Like, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, Thanks okay. Joke. Well, I'm still going to tell this joke. <laughs> and sometimes I go places that didn't have Chick Fil A. Mm. I do really small towns, and and they know what Chick Fil A is, but they're not going to know that the drive-through is what it is. Yeah. So they're not going to get it as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I change it up some. Yeah. We have a flashing light that turns off at 10 o'clock. We're not worried about Chick-fil-A <laughs> drive through lines. <laughs> so, travel, how how many weeks a year do you travel on average, you think? Mm, uh, it's definitely increased more the last couple of years. I would say now probably – Um. More than I'm not. I mean, I've gone more weeks than I'm not yeah. on the weekends. I mean, so probably I would say 30 to 35 weeks uh, out of the nice. year. out of 52. Okay, you say nice. I don't know. That's but cool. that can get old, right? Like It can, but I, I can mean, see, yeah. it is nice. I, but you enjoy, that's what you enjoy. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe in the beginning it's nice because you're seeing new places and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, but then after a while it's just a routine. Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean, yeah, it's – I had back-to-back weekends just recently where weather was terrible. One, getting out of Nashville Airport when, you know, the snow came through last yeah. month or whatever, and I was stuck there all day just getting out of town. And then the next weekend, getting home um, when snow was coming through, and they right. shut down all the flights. I was in Roanoke, Virginia, and everything was shut down, and I had to rent a car and drive home in the middle of the night. <laughs> wow. So that wasn't fun. No. <laughs> but – Generally, it's fun. I don't want to be rude or anything, but you're kind of like a mid-level 
comedian. I mean, as far as na- national, <laughs> the nicest thing I've ever heard. Kind of, you're not seeing Slap. that right okay. there. Well, did what you, you, yeah. did, did you see this? Does that look mid level yeah. to you? That does not look mid level. Do you need to polish okay. it so you can read it better? It we'll, we'll let you polish World. it. <laughs> you wore the same shirt as someone else, and it was noticed. <laughs> that was that was not on purpose. Yeah, but how tough is it? Like coming up through the ranks, and like you said, very few people are going to be at a Seinfeld level or yeah. Rodney Dangerfield, who whatever a comic's name that someone would know. How you know tough what? is it coming up through those levels? And does your you know does your travel change? Does where you stay change? All that kind of stuff as you come up through and play different venues. I uh, started comedy when I was thirty five. Like I said, I took that stand up comedy class, and for most of my career. I've been like, oh, man, if only I started like I should have like in my early 20s like most mm. people did. Dave Chappelle was a teenager, I think. Mm. But most people start either the early 20s or right out of college, mid-20s, and I was 35. So <laughs> I think, man, if only only I'd done that. But now, the more I think about it, realistically, I don't know if I'd have been mature enough in my early 20s to do it because it's really, really hard. Right. You're living out of your car. You're making no, no money. You've got six roommates. You know, yeah. it's it's a hard grind for a long time. I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal. Whereas the route I took was keeping my day job, making money, putting it away, and then when I quit my job, I didn't have to just go sleep in a van or something. You know what I mean? Right. I certainly wasn't making a ton of money, but I could. He was being responsible. I was being responsible. <laughs> so in a way, it, this is probably the only route that would have worked for me. Your podcast, Nate Land, with Nate, Nate Bargatze, he, he's blowing up right now and, and getting you know Netflix specials and Tonight Show and all this kind of stuff. Mm. What makes him... This this may be a dumb question, and if it is, we'll edit it out. But what what's the special sauce for him to get it? Is it just one lucky break or a couple lucky breaks versus you or somebody else getting a Netflix special or Tonight Show? Or is it just getting in front of the right people at at a gig? I mean, that's some of it. Nate moved to New York, and that's where it really helps to make it. Um, less now, maybe than then, because now. The world's getting smaller, and, you know, you don't have to necessarily go to New York or L.A. for people to notice you, but it helps. And he got on stage every night for years, multiple times a night, and he just really, really, really got good and really, really worked hard. And then he does have a unique voice. you got to stand out and be different than than other people. Yeah. And there's a million comics out there, and we're all kind of saying the same thing. So you got to have a unique style. Yeah. So I think maybe you guys talked about it on your podcast of joke stealing. Yeah. And, and, you know, comics make a big deal out of it. But I think you guys said, you know, everybody has the same kind of joke. So that doesn't mean, I, you know, if, if you tell a joke about Chick-fil-A and I tell a joke about Chick-fil-A, that doesn't mean we're stealing a joke from each other. Yeah, I've got a new joke I tell now about pushing the button on the dishwasher and waiting for my wife to come in hey. when I see it. Hey. And, hey, if you have one like that, too, that's a coincidence. It's hey. not like I saw you. Yeah. Ron, Ron, it was a lot funnier when he said I agree. I agree with you. That, I agree. That stung a little bit. That, that, that stung. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, franchising fees and stuff after. We'll, we'll, we'll take that business off air. But, I mean, that is an example you did it for the first time. I've been doing it for 15 years and we both did have a joke about our wife and not knowing how to do things and, uh, dealing with her parents. So we did have similar and that was your first time. Yeah. And thankfully I did not, uh, I did not steal any jokes knowingly. I don't, I don't know. I did a little bit of research, but not, 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 you did great. I don't think I stole his act. I, I couldn't, think. those three minutes I couldn't have. Yeah. No, no, seriously. I, I, I don't, do well on stage like that. So, uh, three. Nate Land. Yeah. How, what was that process of you coming together with, with Nate? So Is how long, like, how, how, sorry, how long have you, you known going? Nate? Mm, probably about 13 years, something like that. 13, 14 years. How did y'all uh, get together? Nate was, I never knew Nate when he was doing stand-up comedy in Nashville. Uh, well, he never really did stand up comedy in Nashville. He um, 
moved to Chicago and started his career there. And then a couple of years after that, he moved to New York. And when I first met him, he was living in New York, but he would come home a lot for holidays, visit his family, things like that. We were both Vanderbilt fans. There's not many Vanderbilt fans in this town. Uh, we're about the only two, you know. Well, they're quiet. There, there are a lot of fans, but they're quiet. Yeah, during during Speak. most seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. spring. So I, we 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 could have introduced you. We have a, a lady downstairs. She's been on our podcast before. Mm-hmm. She saved the Music City Bowl trophy when Vanderbilt won the trophy. She uh, saved it. She saved it. Oh, yeah. So they were standing there after the game. Yeah. Team is walking out to get on the bus, and her and her husband were right next to the bus. And there was a curb, mm-hmm. like, so you step down to the street. David Williams, the athletic director at the time, mm-hmm. came and he tripped on that curb, mm. and she caught him and caught the. He was carrying the trophy. She caught him, caught the trophy, saved it. Wow! Save the day. Save the day. That's pretty awesome. Still yeah. Doors. Yeah. Um, but that's how we had that in common. And then we're both clean comedians, and there's very few clean comedians mm. out there. So we just kind of hit it off and became friends. And then. Um, I mean, for, for years, either I'd go up to New York and hang out with him, do shows up there, or, you know, I'd just see him when he come home, and then he moved to L.A. for a while. And then the very, almost the exact same week that I quit my job and went full-time stand-up comedy, he moved back to Nashville, just coincidentally, to raise his family here. And then I started going on the road with him and started opening for him. So for the last few years, I've been doing that. And then during the pandemic, uh, when everything was shut down, he had already kind of talked about doing a podcast, but he's so busy, you know, just, you know, get around to it. But when everything shut down, he's like, well, now's the time to do it. So he started Nate land podcast and asked me to come on board. And, and at first he just, I was supposed to be just like a producer and the guy who occasionally chimes in like on a sports talk, you know, or the guy in the back. Yeah. And then we were looking at other, um, you know, another host with him, kind of like for him to play off of. And um, we batted around a few people. But then you mentioned our friend Aaron Weber, who's a very funny comedian here in Nashville. And so we asked him to come on board. And then and then the show started. And it's, it turned out I talk as much as anybody. I mean, I guess Nate talks the most, but yeah. it's not yeah. like I'm occasionally chiming in. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's pretty so, cool. And just like any podcast, things evolve. Uh, I don't know if I'm talking about evolution on a church podcast, yeah, but yeah. things change, you know. <laughs> Edit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just like this podcast, it'll yeah. it, it'll be different six months from now than it is now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hope. I, yeah, we, we we are so <laughs> yes. we we did not say at the beginning. I was so uh, excited to get into a conversation with Brian. We have a new studio set up here. Ooh, yep. Nice so uh, we got rid of the black curtain. We used to have just a black curtain behind us with some <laughs> wood accents. Uh, so we have some bookshelves now. They're pretty bare. Uh, so we, we will get some uh, bottle of water. So it. there's a story behind that. It's turned around backwards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe one day we'll have we an Emmy. A, we don't put. have a sponsor yet. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're working on all that kind of stuff. But, uh, so we're going to bring in some mem- memorabilia and, uh, put on the bookcases, but the bottle of water, Fano's wife yes. hates it. When we drink yes. water on the podcast. Now we do it on purpose. Yes. Mm. So we do it on purpose, and she says, Correct. it just looks unprofessional or mm. whatever her wording is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, we get thirsty. We're talking. We do. I haven't so sometimes like to. Like, well, that's, <laughs> that's just because you are unprofessional. But, um, yeah, I don't get paid for this. It's a joke. It's like if we don't have any decorations we're going to have a bottle of water yes. on the on the bookcase but that's great this is not the final version we have more things we're going to do some uh, more surprises for you guys that you don't even know about yet so. hey. nice now what do you put on the bookshelf of a church uh christian-based podcast so we will put um great question bibles and uh, yeah maybe, i mean Quran? not the not that but uh uh you know so we've had some some athletes come on yeah. before that were college or pro athletes. So we'll get some get some stuff from them. Uh, a friend of ours, Zach, he's been on the podcast. He's a financial guy, um, has a lot of athletes. He he manages financially. He's going to the NBA All-Star Game Ooh. next weekend. Yeah. I think it's next weekend. So this podcast will come out after the All-Star Game. But he has promised to bring us something home from that that we can display. We'll see if he follows cool. through with that or not. But. But, uh, yeah, just – I have a bowling pin in my office. Yeah. 
there's no story behind it other than it came with the office. So we're, you know, we'll put the bowling pin up and some well, LSU memorabilia. Uh, well, Ryan's an LSU. I brought fan. it. Who knows if it gets voted on? I mean, oh, there's no, we, no vote. Just claim a claim a cubby. Yeah. <laughs> Rent is pretty my, cheap at the moment. <laughs> if it's for me, it, it'll be up. So, so we hope you know there'll be some Nate Land swag or some Brian Bates swag or something <laughs> that makes it way on makes its way to a uh, shelf. I wish I'd have known it. I guess I just give you my Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're okay with that. That that just means he's got to come back. <laughs> he's just got to come back. Speaking of Emmy, let, I, I did have some notes. You have a friend who was nominated. For an Emmy, there were four yeah slot four nominations yeah for this Emmy award, and he was two of the four. Yep. Can you tell that story? I think it's hilarious. So it's my buddy Ben. He works at News Channel Five, still does here in Nashville TV station. He's a reporter. There's a Mid South Emmy Awards. That's what this is. I didn't win a Emmy that you see in L.A. <laughs> it's a real Emmy. It it's is. A, it's a real it's, Emmy. Yes, it's, it's a real for, Emmy to me. It's the Mid-South Emmy Awards, which covers Tennessee, North Carolina, and Northern Alabama. And he had... Huge area. Huge area. Yeah. I can't remember what the, t- the category was. Maybe Best Investigative Reporting or something like that. He had two of the four nominations were a story that he did. Okay. So he's already got a 50-50 chance. They get ready to announce the winner. They say, we have a tie. <laughs> Now he's like, oh, my gosh, I've won two. <laughs> Neither one of them was him. That's great. He had a 50-50 chance. They had a tie, and he lost both. So it's a, it's a good story. I've told that more than once in the podcast. Yeah, that, that's funny. The, uh, another, there, there's a uh, – uh, let's talk about labels, right? Do comedians like labels by large? So clean comedian, Christian comedian, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, d- does that limit? Yeah, I mean, for generally speaking, I would just rather be labeled as a comedian. Right. Um, we had uh, Henry Cho on the podcast, and I've opened for Henry a lot. And he's I've heard him say numerous times, he doesn't want to be labeled as a Christian comedian. He wants to be labeled as a comedian who's a Christian. Mm. Um, or I guess he doesn't want to be labeled at all, but that's how he identifies right. as he doesn't think of himself as Christian comedians. He thinks of himself as a comedian who's also a Christian. Right. And I feel the same way. I mean, the best compliment you can have is from an audience when they don't even reckon, realize, don't even notice that you're clean until after the fact, till someone points it out because there's the label of clean comedian is cheesy, hokey, kind of not as funny. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's not good to be labeled. So there is, I, I knew, know him as a Christian comedian. He made, that may not be a good title, but, uh, Michael Jr. Yeah. Had, had told a joke of, he was, you know, at a show telling a joke and, and someone said, well, that's funny. <laughs> and he's like, well, you can't laugh. You just got to say that's funny. Like that's that's not even like that's almost insulting. I'd rather you just sit there. But that came to my mind a second ago when I said that's funny. Michael Jr. is very funny. Yeah, I've opened yeah. for him before. Yeah. Well, hey, tell him there's a great podcast he could come yeah. be on. <laughs> come this way. And then after he does Nate Land, send him over here. <laughs> but, so, Grayson Garvin, we had yeah. him on. He was yeah. a former Vanderbilt baseball pitcher here. You have a baseball story as well. Yeah. Of, I've got more than one. Well, the one I've heard of, you may be the only, it, this has got to be a small club at any level of a baseball player who has stolen first base. Hey. <laughs> well, you kind of just gave the punchline there, but. Well, <laughs> I didn't know how else to lead you job. into that story. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I When I played Little League Baseball, I was so unathletic for one. <laughs> I know that shocks you guys. No. Lack of confidence. <laughs> I stole a base once, and I got down there so easily because, uh, you know. So you were on first base and stole second, right? Yeah, I was on first, stole second. In Little League, usually the catcher can't even get it down there. It's not that hard to steal second, but for me it kind of was. <laughs> it, was a, it was a 50-50 chance. There's always going to be a bang-bang play when, right. I, when I'm stealing second. This particular time, I get there so easily that somehow I got it in my head that the ball must have been fouled off. 
and therefore it's a dead play. Yeah. So I get to second. I turn around and start jogging back to first. <laughs> About halfway down, people realize like, the catcher, the first baseman, looks like he's he's coming back. <laughs> so now I realize like oh crap, and I have to just hightail it to first base. I dive head first into first. There's a play. <laughs> There's dust. I'm safe. But um, but yeah, so I stole second, and then I went back and stole first. I stole two bases, I guess, on one play. I hope you got credit awesome. for both of them. I don't know. Is that the air, or what's going on? Or is there an earthquake? Yeah, that, that might, we might be in the in the earthquake. I think it's the, the cleaning crew moving the cart. Mm. <laughs> I heard it. And I was like, "Don't make a face! Don't make a face!" I'm just, I'm listening. Like jet, I promise. Jet engine taking off. Yeah. No. Or the building may be on fire. I didn't know <laughs> if it was in the headphones or if it was. So I was like, I don't, I don't know if the audience can hear that or heard that, but uh, yeah, it's like a jet engine roaring. It was a little scary <laughs> here. I was gonna. I was waiting to see who was going to be the first one to dive under the table. Uh, I looked down. Yeah. So I was. <laughs> you got so they have. You can't see it, Brian, but. This this table is built in sections, so there's a lot of leg support. <laughs> yeah, they have a ton of leg support. Like I got one right here. Mm. Like there there's just like, it. Yep. there's like two by fours all like, along there. Like they can't go anywhere. We're, right we're safe. So you, we're, yeah. you and I, no problem diving oh, under man, this table. Get the good spot. I yeah. Fall over yeah. and then get out. Yeah. I'll be out of the building before we get yeah. out of this chair. We will call nine one one for you Thank guys you. after we dig Thank ourselves so out from the rubble. Thank you. Nate Land's huge podcast. Um, I don't know how many tens of thousands, tens of thousands of listeners you guys have every, but huge numbers every week. Um, how has that grown? How many people are behind the scenes that we don't see? There's usually three production people there: one running each camera, and then a third one doing audio and adjusting stuff like that. And and there's four cameras. Um. And then Nate's wife is kind of like a producer on the show and kind of handles sponsors and ads and stuff like that. You all don't edit like you're just there to talk about the stuff and the other people do all the editing and all that kind of stuff as well? Mm-hmm. Now, we don't edit out anything. I know that. Well, because it's live. Like you have people running it live as you're doing it. Yeah. Yes. And um, but they do go and I mean, every camera is running. I don't know how you guys do it, but do you go edit later. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. it's it's probably the same thing then every camera runs in full and then they have a guy who goes back later and edits which camera shots to take yes yep yeah we do like that that. i'm that guy okay i'm like yeah well it's the same then yeah Yeah. do you leave in the earthquakes or do you take those out oh that's gonna stay in so i figured out what it is now so down in that space that we had the show in tonight they have portable walls that they can move and they divide that into different Rooms. So they're they're, they're, do, they're moving all those walls. Now. I got you. Yeah. So mystery solved, boys. You have sponsors. I mean, it's a huge podcast, yeah. right? You have sponsors and stuff. This is nerd talk. No one else is going to care about this. But like the process of people, do people approach you now? Are you that big, or or are you? Hey, we like this product. We'd like you guys to come on if we can work something out. Mm-hmm. We've definitely had people reach out to us, fans that want to sponsor it. But um, I don't know much about how podcast stuff works, but Nate, uh, Nate Land's done through a platform called All Things Comedy, and they have host a bunch of popular comedy web uh, podcasts on there. And then they have sponsors who are on a bunch of different comedy podcasts, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the sponsors we have are also on maybe five or ten other comedy podcasts, all on the same platform. So gotcha. we didn't go out and get any of those. They just kind of were there, provided. Now, it costs a ton of money to have your podcast on All Things Comedy, if that makes sense, right? to be hosted on there. Okay. Something you said earlier, like yes. jokes sticking with people and they're coming back to you. And yeah. That's what you want. So a lady downstairs, or, or is actually a couple in their parents, but they're like, hey, when you were telling that joke about pushing the district, like... I saw all these guys looking and like they were like, "Hey, that's me." And mm. the guy was like, "Man, I've done that." Like I, I stood there and waited for <laughs> mm-hmm. her to see me push that button. But <laughs> so th- that's what you're looking for as a comedian, like those things that stick, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that guy, I can relate." Yeah, it's, it's the whole. It's funny because it's true, right? Mm. Which you've heard people say, and yeah. that, is, that is so true. <laughs> um, 
uh, and to take it a step further, um, again, it goes back to kind of, it's got to be relatable, but also unique and have a unique voice, um, something, a different angle maybe than you hear from, from other people. And again, that's what Nate is so good at. And there's different type of comedians out there. There's what they call road comics. Those are guys who travel all over the country from city to city and their comedy is more broad. So they may talk about traffic and, um, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank now, but then there's guys who have a more specific, um, about them kind of. Right. And, uh, you know, Nate would be one of those guys where it's, um, it's very personal and that can be tough when people don't know who you are. Nate's big enough. Now people know what they're getting. But when I go on the road and sometimes I talk about my wife or mm-hmm. something personal and nobody knows who I am. Right. There's a lot of times like, I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if, if your joke's good enough, they'll get on board. Right. right. Yeah. That, but sometimes is, is they that the mindset? Chance. I've did a, a, you know, I did a company Christmas party a couple of months ago and people could care less. They didn't want to be, a comedian there, you know, they were kind of forced. If we're going to get a bonus, I got to sit through this comedian. <laughs> the company thought it was a good idea, but they don't know me. And they think Ted and accounting is funnier than I am. Yeah. You know, they'd rather just him get up and tell jokes. Your jelly of the month club is riding on you, not moving for the next 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, you start, when you do comedy for a while, you can kind of start watching someone's act and kind of tell what kind of crowds they do, whether mm-hmm. it's mostly churches or yeah. mostly corporates, because they're always a different feel. Mm. Road comics are a little bit more polished as far as they could go to any city, any place, and kind of fit in. Like big name, pick a big name, Jeff Foxworthy or, mm-hmm. or somebody like that that lots of people have heard of. When those guys go on the road, like do they still go on the road even when they get – that big and famous. I know it, individuals would be different, but it, well, are they always pulled back to the state, like being on tour on a stage? Yeah. Like Jerry Seinfeld still does it. Jeff Foxworthy still does it. I mean, there's times where they've got a project, a show or something else that maybe keeps them from it. But when they're not doing that, they still go do it. And Jeff Foxworthy still out there doing it. Um, Sometimes they take a long – Eddie Murphy's taken off 30 years, but he's talking about getting back out there doing it. Wow. Chris Rock still does it. They they all love it. It's immediate gratification. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the hook, right? That's the pull of – that. that is your drug is not there. But that's your addiction. Yeah. Is the laughter, right? That's one of them, but well, that's for yeah. another episode. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. But uh, – all right. So last topic. Last topic. The – also hear a lot of comedians, uh, you know, Robin Williams is maybe an extreme extreme example, mm. but there, you know, a lot of comedians say, I, I fight depression or I fight these kind of demons and comedy is my outlet. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's my treatment. That's, you know, that's what makes me feel better. And whether I bomb or, or, you know, slay an audience, mm-hmm. I feel good when I'm up there. And as soon as I get off, the demons come back. Mm-hmm. How widespread do you think that is? It's pretty widespread. I definitely, the percentage of com- comedians who have um, depression or sometimes, you know, emotional mental issues is definitely greater than the average population. And that's what draws them to comedy. And it, it is strange. It seems like it um, wouldn't work that way that people who have often been maybe picked on in school or made fun of and have zero confidence, go do the hardest thing there is to do. Get up in front of a group of strangers. Yes. It doesn't make sense in a way. <laughs> right. right. But that's very often what ends up happening. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm thankful that myself or the people I'm closest to aren't like that, where as soon as they get off stage, they're just miserable. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we all kind of get that high from being up there and performing. That's for sure. Good. This is going to end the day right here. Well, besides the Bible verse. I'm good. Right. I'm good. Will you mention this night 
on the Nate Lamb podcast <laughs> in any form or fashion. Like, even if it's making fun of y'all, are not going to believe I did this show and this Yahoo <laughs> like forced his way into an opening act gig. Uh, uh, it's a good question. The answer is no. I'm trying to think about it. Here's the thing: we don't have any. We've recorded some ahead of time, so we're not recording any new ones for the next few weeks. Gotcha. So by the time we get back together, probably not. <laughs> All right. But so you never know. I'll, I'll email you in a couple of weeks. Hey, uh, th- thanks for coming. Appreciate that. And, uh, Appreciate that wonderful night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was great. Here, any kind of mention would be great. But, but I'll mention you uh, in social media. Oh, I'll there we go. No, we got a promise. There we there go. We go. So, yes. no, th- thank you very much. We're, we're awesome. um, and so, so happy to have you and, and answer some questions for that I was curious about, you yeah. know. Yeah, we appreciate Maybe the only one that was curious. I, I but may that. be, but that's all right, because uh, I found I educated myself. So, never say never. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, go ahead you go got on? one? Let's yeah. hear it. All right, so I'm in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So what I take from that is whether you're a comedian or you work for hospitals or you're a teacher or you work here at church as a staff, no matter what you're doing, there's always someone watching you and always do it in his in his version of how he would want us to do it. So because someone's always watching you. So it's not me, it's what he's doing through me. Well, there you go. We are glad to be back. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Send us an email, podcast at parkwaybc.net. We'd be happy to uh hear what you want to hear about and answer any questions. Maybe you got another question. I'll send it to Brian and see what he says. <laughs> Thank you again, Brian. Yeah, so glad to meet you. Appreciate and uh, you so come much. back anytime. Thank you Thank so much, you. guys. Thank Thanks. you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to GPS to Guide. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you happen to listen or watch. And make sure you turn on the notifications so you know when new episodes air.